The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. October 23rd, 2020, <laughs> episode number 33 with the epic Chris Drury. It is wonderful to be here. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Neil Toff, co-host, co-creator with the venerable Paul Catherall, <laughs> co-host, co-creator. We are back after a short hiatus or hiatus, depending where you're from. Uh, after customer service week, we took a short break, rested, recharged, thought, reflected, and we are back at it with Chris Drury. Episode 33, welcome to the show, Chris. Great to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here, guys. Good to have you. Paul, we can hear you. I want to make sure that the audience gets to hear you. I certainly see you, but let's hear your voice. Hey, Neil. Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for giving up your time today. We're really privileged and proud to have you on as a, as a guest. One thing I need to say, though, Neil, is that due to our hiatus last week, we were unable, certainly myself and the audience out there, to wish you a happy birthday for last week, my friend. So I hope you had a great time. Happy birthday. You don't look a day over 21. I'll take it. I was going to say, I could maybe try to convince people I'm 33 since this is the 33rd episode. Uh, probably not going to happen. But, but I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Right. Birthday was well, the birthday was well spent. And uh, again, it's great to be back in the saddle here uh, and to have a great conversation with Chris Drury. So those that know Chris Drury know he's a just one of the kindest, most awesomest dudes in this industry. Super guy. He's approachable. He's smart. He's doing really cool cutting edge stuff. He's connected. He's involved in SOCAP. He's involved in some other organizations that he'll tell us about in a second. If you're not following him, follow him on LinkedIn. If you don't have his LinkedIn profile up, let me help you because I do. Chris is the director of customer care at Blount Fine Foods. He's done a lot of other cool stuff. He's also, uh, for full disclosure, we are uh, involved together in SOCAP. Uh, we both sit on the board, and uh, that's that's where I've gotten to know Chris particularly well. But uh, Chris is one of those individuals that is uh, just just a great person to collaborate with, and that's that's the spirit of why he's here today. Chris, we have decided, um, based on some stuff that we've talked about together with you, we're going to name our episode today. Help me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, and that's what the audience says. We're going to call it "Customer Effort Keeping Things Simple." There we go. We're going to keep it simple. A lot of a lot is made lately about customer effort. Is it just a fad? Because everyone talks about the latest and greatest metric, customer effort. It used to be one thing or used to be another. Are we going to like see this thing come and go in a year, or is, is the focus on customer effort really here to stay? I think it's evolution. You know, I, I think if we look back at the metrics that we tracked as an industry and as the industry has evolved. We found that there are better ways, um, well, some better, some maybe not better. Uh, and then also just uh, no single score is going to capture all of it. It's, it's the, the whole relationship um, takes some work and all that work is on us. It shouldn't be on the consumer. So we have to measure long-term loyalty 
Um, we want to build that loyalty, so we measure it. But we also want to make sure that, you know what, it, you're not going to get those loyal customers, certainly for the long term even, if it's hard for them to do business with you or if it's hard for them to resolve an issue that they have with your product or service. So that's a different measurement. Um, so I, I just think it's evolution. I think it's evolution. I'm sure in a few years, as we continue to evolve, there'll be a different way of measuring that relationship or a different facet of the relationship that we find is more important. And what's this whole thing about keeping it simple? Let me come on away. Everyone says, keep it simple, stupid, KISS, K-I-S-S, right? We've all heard of that. But come on, you can't really keep it simple in the customer care world. It's nuanced. There's so many different reasons people call in. They complain. They're upset. They're angry. You're dealing with emotions. You're dealing with technology. You're dealing with different channels. You're dealing with uh, frontline employees, agents, and emotions, and the things that they have to go through. Is it really possible to keep it simple? It, if you look at it that you're dealing with a person and people are emotional beings, they're not always logical. I think a lot of times we get scripted in the way we handle those interactions. Um, and sometimes the scripting is uh, self-inflicting complication into the interaction, right? So think of your everyday life and think about those things over the course of that day where you have interactions either at a retail store or you go out to eat and think about the things in those experiences where you've been wowed or you've gone, whoa, that's not cool. Um, and invariably, I find personally where people are doing just the basic human, uh, you know, the human acknowledgements, the thank yous, the holding of the doors, they're uh, recognizing that you, you know, you don't have a napkin on the table. Let me go get that for you. Just all those very basic things um, make you feel like that you have their attention, that you mean something to them, that that you matter to them, to their business. So I think a lot of times when we're interacting in customer care and we're on the phone with a consumer or in a chat with a consumer, we forget that there's a human on the other end of that phone or on the other side of of that chat. And we're just trying to get through the call or the chat as quickly as we can within the confines of the policies we've been given. Um, and in some cases, we're being held to handle times. You know, so people are really rushing to just get through it and they're not thinking through, gee, this there's something going on with this person and I, I, I can connect with them and make this right. And usually that'll turn into a longer phone call typically. You know, it's it's the elderly lady that calls and doesn't really have a lot of interaction day to day with people. So when she gets you on the phone for, you know, my soup is too salty, uh, it turns into an 11 minute spiel about her grandkids and about where she lives. And that's OK. That's OK. In my environment here, I want my reps to do that. I want them to talk as much as the, the consumer wants to talk because you start to humanize that. That's, that's just a very basic foundational aspects of, of us as people. This is fascinating. You really let your agents talk about the salt level in the soup, which obviously leads into something else about the lady crushing about, you know, her pots and pans or the, the electric bill or like, that's okay. Yeah, certainly we're not going to judge and we're not going to offer any legal counsel or anything like that medical counsel when they start telling you about all their problems. But you know, if, if it's a couple minutes longer than what you'd like, but you have someone that hangs up that phone and they're smiling because they were able to just talk with somebody, 
you know, that I'm okay with that. That happens a lot here at Blomp. Um, and we get cards in the mail and we get letters to the president for it. And, and those are the kinds of things that we want to celebrate. And, and I, I'll encourage that as much as, as we can. And even with local folks, if they've heard of the company and they express interest in the company's history, so we originated in, in seafood um, back in 1880, starting with uh, shellfishing. So um, we actually have a little book that we'll send to consumers about the history of the company. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, so that's a lot of local people will get that. They'll get swag. But it's just doing the simple things, making sure we're saying thank you, making sure we're going, you know, the work should be on us, not on them. If they're asking me where they can find our product, yeah, I could easily just direct them to our website, right? Here's the link, go find it yourself. But we do that for them. So when we're providing it to them in the response letter or response email, it's simply to document it so they have it for future reference. But we've already gone out of our way to take the extra couple of minutes to actually go into our own where to buy to put in their address, to try and locate that specific product that they're looking for. Um, and I want my agents taking the time to do that. It's simple, is that it should be on us. Is that something that you can teach? Like, is that you know, a module in the training uh, manual? Uh, how to create low effort experiences? Is it a value, is it part of a mission statement? Because we keep hearing about this and it's, it's coming up and it's bubbling up, it's bubbling up. I think one thing is that we as leaders talk about it. We'd like our uh, contact centers to be as effortless as possible. It's a great goal and objective. I'm just worried, I'm concerned kind of like tactic wise, how do you do it? How do you achieve it? Uh, how do you explain what a low effort experience is? How do you, how do you, how do you put it into a training manual? Well, with our, when we train our reps, uh, first of all, we, we talk about it daily, right? So this, this isn't like it's a, a periodic training or a new rep training. These are things that we we talk about every day. You know, we have a new experience. We, you know, someone will hang up the phone and 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 tell about a great conversation they just had with somebody. You know, like their son just came back from being overseas, and they'd like to find uh, order the soup direct from us if they can because they have people coming over and they want to entertain. You know, and have a party for the person that came back. So you start to learn a lot of these things and. Um, on a daily basis. So I look at training is, is the repetition of it. I look at it in terms of immediate, constructive and positive feedback. I don't like to hold that feedback for, you know, next week's meeting or a monthly recap or any of those sorts of things. So here at Blount, it's, it's, it's real time with us and it's daily and it's routine. And when we have those experience and learnings from one interaction that an agent has, I like to share that with the rest of them, right? So it's, it's yes, we do focus on this when we have someone new joining. And fortunately, we haven't had many new folks have to join. We've been pretty stable with our, our third party um, relationship and, and certainly my people here physically uh, on campus. So um, we spend time on it. We talk about it because especially for reps at a call center that aren't accustomed to being allowed a little bit of flexibility and freedom, trying to encourage good conversation with, with the caller so that they can establish a humanistic and emotional connection that's a positive one instead of the, the real amped up emotion we're sometimes receiving when they first call us. Um, you've got to t talk it through with them and you've got to give them examples and, and we'll listen to calls sometimes to do so. That's a, another element of it. 
certainly I think effort is qualitative. It's you could describe it. It's maybe subjective. It is. It isn't. What one person thinks is high effort might not be what the other person thinks is high effort, et cetera. But then there's the customer effort score that we we, we keep hearing about. Do you actually implement and utilize a customer effort score? Oddly enough, we haven't. We haven't because we didn't have customer care um, as recently as three years ago here at Blount. We we really just created customer care. Um, I was in uh, business management and customer service role, but customer service uh, here had always been managing the orders with our customers, right? So Target, Walmart, Publix, Sprouts Markets, uh, Sam's Clubs, uh, taking in the, the POs from the the buyers and getting the POs in the system and working through any logistical issues or order changes. So we had a point in time with the Panera uh, soup line that we we make for outside of the cafes that it got so big we needed to to put a team in place to support that business. So three years ago we started. We didn't have uh, any scoring in particular um, that we've been measuring. It's something that is actually on our roadmap for uh, May June of. 2021. So we will be implementing those, but we've been building all the foundational systems in the last couple of years. The CRM, we've added text and SMS. We've added live chat on our websites. Um, we're building, uh, we've built out a knowledge base. We're going to start this year, in the next three months, start tying some consumer self-service to that live chat in the form of the bot that we're using. Um, but we're using that internally with reps first. We're having our reps ask all the questions that they're being asked by consumers so that we can refine that before we actually put it out in a public space. As I said before, this is someone who's utilizing technology tools who's staying way ahead of the market. Let's know all the things that Chris has just talked about. Uh, a very good point of reference of what to do and how to do it and when to do it and do it carefully. You're not doing it all at one time. I, I really appreciate that and like I like hearing that there's a plan it's it's deliberate. It sounds like you're in no major hurry to get it done. Just to get it done, you're going to do it and do it right. And and I, we certainly applaud you for that. Way way to go. Um, I want to change gears just a little bit. So to the extent that I know Chris, I know he's a sports fan. Uh, he lives in New England. By the way, I I don't know. This is crazy. I'm the only guy that doesn't have England in my background. Chris is in New England, and Paul <laughs> is from England. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm the odd one out here. Uh, <laughs> but I think, Chris, in our conversations you've shared with me, and I think I've seen on your social media, you you are a baseball fan, correct? Sure. Yes, I am. So you're a Red Sox fan? I've been a Red Sox fan, yeah, lifelong. Perfect. So I'm not necessarily the biggest baseball fan. I've followed a bit here and there. I'm a lifelong suffering Baltimore Oriole fan. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a hard one. But uh, the reason I bring up baseball is, as we know, I think baseball has nine players on the field. Uh, there are, let's think about it out loud. There's a pitcher, there's a catcher, there's the infielders, there's the outfielders, there's the relief pitchers, there's the designated hitter if you're in the American League. Correct? So far, so good? Oh, my so summary? far, so good. If there was one position in the field that describes your view of CX or your role and what you do, what would it be? And I'm love watching Chris's face here because it's a little bit of a surprise. He's thinking. Yeah. He, he, oh, that's a good question. He's not, he's not sending me bad vibes, I don't think, but I'm surprising him with this one. I'm, I'm so curious to know what your, what your, your position on the field would be. Uh, I'm going with shortstop. Yeah, typically, that, that position is someone on the infield that's kind of keeping tabs on everything going on. 
and communicating with the rest of the uh, the infield and the catcher and the pitcher. Um, you know, putting numbers behind their back for the outfielder, those sorts of things. Yeah. Love it. Not to mention shortstop. You usually get those balls blasted right at you in the shortstop position. So those are always fun. Yeah. I was just going to say, they, exactly, the balls come at you hard and fast. They can come, you know, a massive hit from, from, from the batter. It's not hitting the ground. It's going right at you, going extremely fast, right at your face or your, or, uh, you know, where you got to protect yourself. Or it could, t- could take one of those, like, infield hops that's really hard to, to, to literally to field, right? Like, you never know which, which angle it's coming from. I think that's, that's a good description of, of what the contact center leader probably has to deal with on a day-to-day basis. That's a good question. Love. Never been asked that one. Man, that to like the interview questions. Right? That's a great interview yeah, question. By the way, interestingly, right? Interestingly, what you just described is a position in the field, which is defensive. Uh, you didn't take, you know, you didn't say you're the, you know, you're batting cleanup. You're the number four. You're the one who's going to smack the home run or, you know, you're the one that's whose job is to get the RBI or, yeah, I, I thought it was quite interesting. You took the defensive role rather than the offense. I'm not sure it doesn't say necessarily one thing or the other, but it's just a point of reference. Love it. Great, interesting. Great, great point. Very interesting uh, uh, feedback. I, I would give you, if you wanted to take another shot at it, are you still going shortstop? I'm still going shortstop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of activity Perfect. in right. that position. Right, great. There sure is. Perfect. Love it. Love the answer. Thank you for that. So, as we start to wind down the podcast, um, we always like to ask our guests three concluding questions. Uh, the first one of those would be a CX myth buster. Do you have a common thought or idea that you love to, in the case of baseball, take the baseball bat to? Usually we say take an ax to, but I think in your case we say take, up, take the baseball bat to. And, it's getting and pretty aggressive, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I'm ducking. I'm ducking. <laughs> take, the, take the baseball bat to and have batting practice as much as you want on this common CX myth if you have one what would it be oh wow um cx myth that um you know that the putting technology out there for consumer self-service um is going to resolve um you know the volume coming into the contact center it's going to make life easier for a consumer um so i i would i would suggest that although it's a great idea um it's not entirely true. Um, I don't know that it necessarily does reduce the volume. It just gives consumers another avenue. Um, and then the other side to that is if it's not thought through from a consumer's perspective and it's not done extremely well, it can create a very bad experience for a consumer. So I know we, in our space, you know, we go to our meetings all the time, the national conferences, we have webinars, um, AI is really hot. There's a lot of hot technologies out there. We have a lot of evolution. We're continuing to go through with technology, but um, rushing to it and not putting the thought behind it is dangerous. Couldn't agree more. Don't have it just to have it. Plan it out. Think it through. Be deliberate. Put yourself in the customer's footsteps and walk that journey. Be part of that journey. Plan it out. And even then, I think when you do it, you realize that you know 175 things you still have to iterate and fix and polish once you, once you do it. it. It doesn't. I like what you said. Just because you have it doesn't mean you solve a problem. You might actually create more problems, right? Yeah, and I I I like how you just finished that up too. It's very very true that just because you put it out there and you have put the thought into it, 
you have to watch it very closely for a very long time after you implement and refine, 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 refine. Exactly. Perfect. Love it. Thank you. Let's go into the second of the final three. The CX quote, and by the way, it's a quote. It doesn't necessarily have to be from a CX practitioner or necessarily be about CX. It's just something that resonates for you that you think kind of, you know, crosses over into the CX world. I think there's two two quotes that you came up with that, that I love that I'd love to have you share with the audience. Yeah, so so one of them, neither one of them are, are necessarily CX-based folks, of course. Uh, one of them is that people don't always remember what you say or even what you do. They're going to remember uh, how you made them feel. And that's, that's from the great American poet uh, and writer and dancer and singer, uh, Maya Angelou. Um, she had a great life. Um, so that always resonated with me uh, from her for a long time. And then the second one, I actually, so when I graduated high school, my parents thought it would be a good idea to send me to, to a Dale Carnegie course as a graduation present uh, for lifelong skills. So it actually goes way back. And I won't say how far back, but it goes <laughs> way back um, that when dealing with people, you know, you got to remember that you're, you're not dealing with creatures of logic. People are creatures of emotion. Right. And that's why I really try and drive the whole concept here of it. Keep it simple. Think through your life, what really gets you charged up, what really makes you happy. Chances are that the person on the other side of that interaction is going to be very similar in that it's emotional responses, not necessarily okay. logic. <laughs> yeah, so true. Humans are not logical but emotional. Couldn't be more true. I, I love these. These are, these are just fantastic quotes. Maya Angelou and, and Dale Carnegie. So as we, we wind down here, the final third here, who is your CX hero? And I love this because you're going off the grid, so to speak. <laughs> We're not getting the, the, the usual suspects. You're going to bring it local, which is wonderful. Tell us who your CX hero is and why. Okay. So it's the, it's the, uh, the staff, the owner and the staff of the Bristol Oyster Bar in Bristol, Rhode Island. Right. So, um, Jordan bought the Bristol Oyster Bar um, from the originating owner about two and a half years ago. And, you know, he he's really worked hard, which you can tell because the whole staff operates this way. You don't see that they're making any, you know, like he's not correcting people when you're watching the staff, but this staff always makes you feel special every single person that comes in there and they remember just about everything you talk about um now that might make us frequent flyers with them because we do go probably at least once a month i have to get my oysters um but but they remember the the thing that amazes me is that kate Catherine, jake sim who are, are there all the time it seems like they never leave the place um, they remember, you know, my girlfriend is a, a third grade teacher. So they, they remember those things. They ask about the, how's the distance learning going? How's this year's back in the schoolroom doing? Um, they remember my daughter's in med school. So they ask about my daughter. So they're making those emotional, simple connections, but they remember. They rem and it, it's not just Chris Drury. It's, it's at the table next to us. It's over at the bar with Jake as he's shucking oysters. He's talking with people there. And they're just communicating on on just regular things, but they get to know people so well. 
and they anticipate their needs so well. And all the simple things in this place, it's not an extravagant restaurant by any stretch, but the food is high quality. To Jordan, it's all those simple things that matters. And it's very, very apparent that everyone that works for him gets it. And, and it's just a team that, that operates so efficiently. And I like the idea that it is a local business, um, especially these last, you know, eight, nine months. We make every effort to, to do everything we possibly can with, with the local businesses in Bristol. So, and rather, and rather, you know, I don't go to Home Depot. I go to the local Ace Hardware store. I try and, you know, we usually eat at just a couple of restaurants or, or do takeout from them, but they're local restaurants, not chain restaurants. Um, I, I love Chewy.com. I absolutely love them. It's a great story. They're, you want to talk about a, a great customer experience. But I go to Joe at, you know, Pet Food Plus down the street from me because Joe's a great, great man. He's a great guy. I go in for dog food and I'll probably spend 10 minutes there talking with him. And it's about Red Sox and it's about the Bruins. And, you know, he's asking how work's going, how's school going. But, you know, it's those simple humanistic uh, interactions that, that I've learned are the reasons I keep going back to these people and support these people. So why do I not, why would I not do that here? Exactly. So, you know what? I, I think, Paul, for the first time since we've been doing this, yeah. the, what Chris did here, and he wrapped this up in such a nice bow. His CX hero literally touched on everything else that we talked about in this conversation. It's like CX hero, Bristol, Bristol Oyster Bar in Bristol, Rhode Island. The owner, it sounds like, is the shortstop. It sounds like <laughs> the people that work there understand that creatures are creatures of emotion. They understand what they remember. And tying it into the, the, the other quote, uh, they care about how they make the patron, the, the restaurant goers feel asking questions and remembering uh, the background of your girlfriend, your daughter, you, et cetera, knowing who, the, who their customers, but tying into the emotional part from Dale Carnegie, but understanding that it's important how they make the restaurant goer feel. And then tying it back to the first point altogether, making the experience not only low effort, it sounds like zero effort. It's a pleasure. There's no effort. It's amazing, which is what going to places like a restaurant should be. I love it. You did this in such a way that, like I said, I think it just feels like you tied the CX bow on all of it, which is, which is, uh, we've, we've never had a guest. Very well done. Absolute applause for that. Just in time for Christmas. <laughs> well, in time for Christmas. Exactly. Or your birthday last week. Exactly. Or my birthday. Exactly. Paul, I don't know. How do we, how else do we wrap this up? I think, you know, Chris did it beautifully as we wrapped yeah. up, wrap up the episode. This was sensational, wasn't it? Yeah, it was superb. And do you know what I found really refreshing, Chris, is, is your honesty about AHT. And I know that's a, that's a contact center term, but AHT for our listeners out there is average handle time. And, you know, there's always a lot of pressure, a lot of focus on, on your average handle time because predominantly that's what drives up the costs. But mm -hmm. you've looked at it differently. And I love the way you've looked at it. It's a really refreshing take. And I think the bit that a lot of people, or I don't know if a lot of people's the right terminology, but I think a bit that's missed if you elongate your AHT is that by essence should actually drive down your overall call volume coming in. So you get less repeat calls because the customers had their, their issue resolved straight away, right? In terms of right. rather than trying to rush them off the call. So kudos to you and everything that you guys are doing there. It's really refreshing to hear that. And you really do live 
and breathe exactly what you've spoken about, particularly the, the, the CX quotes. Chris, you've been an absolute wonderful guest. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you. This has been fun. Cool. Is Neil there? Is he gone? I think we lost Neil. I think we lost Neil. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so, so much for your time today, mate. It's been a pleasure. Have a wonderful Friday and have a great weekend. You as well, Paul. Thank you. Take care, Chris. Bye. Bye. Cheers. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.